0: He's saying God will provide. He's declaring the truth of God's promises. Certainly, he's answering Isaac because Isaac's the one who asked the question. But you know that he's saying this to his own heart. He's preaching to himself the message he would so desperately needed to cling to in that time of trial, in that time of testing. And so when we go through trials, what do we need to do? We preach the gospel to ourselves god is faithful in the midst of the storm god will provide today on the Songtime broadcast we'll continue our study in the story of abraham here in genesis chapter 22 as we discover the importance of growing in our faith and all of these great steps that we learn along the way that help us in our moment of crisis stay tuned for that but first we'll continue our conversation with todd nettleton as we talk about voice of the martyrs and how to pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in chains. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Well, the summer has started to come here on Cape Cod. I know that everyone else is suffering a great deal of heat, but it's really actually been pretty nice here on Cape Cod. Suffering for Jesus, I know how how hard it actually is. But you know how we know it's summer? Because uh, we're starting to see J-1 students all over the place. These are the college students that travel to America to work for the summers on this special J-1 student visa program where they're able to come and work and travel to to really get an idea of what our culture is like before going back to their home countries and going to their colleges, their universities in the fall. It also helps us here on Cape Cod because we need a lot of workers, especially to operate our summer season for all those vacationers that come here. Our population triples. I'm sure it's changed. It's probably even more so now than it was three years ago. But this is the first time we're back into ministering with the J1 students. As the last two years, it really was uh, put the brakes on that ministry. So excited to see students from all over the world coming to Cape Cod from over 40 countries, uh, up to 6,000 students. It really is an amazing ministry. I've been plugged into it for the last 10 years. And if you want to find out more information about how to minister to international students that might be showing up in your community, give us a call. 508 362 7070. One of the things I like to learn about the students is where they're from and what countries they're uh, part of. I, I, so I got a quiz for you. How many, how many of you know geography very well? If you do, if you can answer all of these questions and without stumbling, give us a call. Maybe we'll send you a book or something, but we'll send you a free book. If you answer the questions correctly, we will send you a prize, okay? So where is Kazakhstan? Anyone know where Kazakhstan is? Uh, all right, so that's the first question. Where in is the proximity of Moldova? What, what, what continent is it on? What countries does it border? Are you familiar with Moldova? Uh, one last question. Where in the world is Eritrea? you probably didn't even know that was a country. It's not something that we talk about very often, but it is a country that ought to be on your prayer list. We're joined here once again by Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, who helps us stay informed about how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering in chains. Well, Todd, we don't know a lot about Eritrea. It is a country that we ought to be concerned about because of the persecution of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are taking place there. So, tell us a little
1: bit about what's happening there and why we should be praying for them. Well, there has just been another set of Christians arrested in the nation of Eritrea. The the current number is right around 300 Christians now currently in custody. Uh, The interesting thing about these recent arrests, there, there were families meeting together, the children were also taken to the police station. So it wasn't like, oh, we're gonna arrest the pastor, he's leading this meeting, or oh, we're only gonna arrest the adults. It was everybody who's here, we're taking all of you to the police station. And so it was parents along with their children. Uh, And as I say, about 300 Christians right now incarcerated in Eritrea. And, And I always, when I talk about the Christians in Eritrea, I always try to remind people, not a single one of those Christians has even been formally charged with a crime. None of them have had a trial. None of them have had a lawyer that was allowed to represent them. Uh, You simply, just like these families, you just get arrested, you go into the prison system, and nobody knows when you're going to come out. Maybe it's a few days, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's years. Uh, There are Christians that I met when I visited Eritrea who have now been in prison more than 17 years, and again no trial no charges no it's not like they were sentenced to 20 and they're 17 years into their 20 year sentence there is no sentence there is no guilty verdict there there was no trial they simply are in prison until somebody decides to let them go and and so you can imagine how just how hopeless that would be like like not knowing What's going to happen, not knowing how long you'll be there. Uh, But we have also heard some amazing stories from inside those prisons uh, of people coming to faith. Uh, At one point, I heard a story from Eritrea that they actually built a prison specifically to put all the Christians in uh, because the Christians were leading other people to Christ. uh, And so they wanted to separate them out, they wanted to get them away from the other prisoners uh, because they kept evangelizing and kept sharing Jesus. So, um, Even in the midst of of really heartbreaking stories, the the gospel is advancing and, and God is working.
0: We've heard about the stories in Canada of pastors being uh, sentenced to prison as a result of their continuing to to meet under COVID restrictions, and uh, that created a lot of controversy. There was obviously a lot of attention on that. There was even concerns that it might happen here in the United States. Uh, A lot of questions as to whether or not that was right or wrong, a lot of legal kind of banter back and forth, but uh, that pales in comparison to what we're seeing in Eritrea, where Christians are actually being thrown in prison for no other reasons, not because they're meeting under COVID restrictions. They're just trying to meet and worship God in general.
1: It is it is very hard for us to to comprehend. And one of the amazing things that one of the blessings that we have as Americans and as as people who live in a free nation is we have the opportunity to go to court and represent ourselves and say, "Well, wait a minute, this is this was unjust. This shouldn't have happened." Uh, you think about some of the pastors I met who've been in jail in Eritrea for 17 years. They've never even been charged with anything. Like it's not they they never had a chance to argue their case or argue about, "Wait a minute, what I was doing was was right." You just the police come, they arrest you and you're gone and you you don't know how long, you don't know where. Oftentimes their families for, for months don't know where they're being held or aren't able to have any communication with them. Um, it is just so far from our experience. And for us as as North Americans, it, it kind of almost makes my head explode to think about like, like you're, you can't do that. You can't just arrest people and not charge them with anything. But in a place like Eritrea in a place like China in a place you know like Iran you can you can literally be snatched off the street and and just got sent um and so it helps us you know as you say there there are many challenges to our faith here that the society is turning against the christian faith i don't i don't think you can interpret what's happening any other way but we still have a lot of blessings and a lot of protections simply because we were born in America uh, that many of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have.
0: We've been talking with my friend Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, a ministry that keeps us informed on how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in chains around the world. We're proud to partner with Voice of the Martyrs because we need to be reminded to pray for them and pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for the faith but we also need to be encouraged by them to be bold in proclaiming our faith even in difficult times. If you'd like to find out more information about Voice of the Martyrs, head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Well, today we're continuing our study in Genesis chapter 22 as we're we're looking at the story of Abraham, and here we find him being tested for his faith. Now, what we need to understand here is that, that his test is not to prove anything to God, but ultimately this is to prove something to Abraham. We see that interaction with Abraham here in the text. What he needs to learn is that he can trust God. God does not need to learn anything about Abraham. God knows everything. He already knows everything about Abraham. In fact, what what God needs is for Abraham to learn to trust him. That is what this story is all about. And as we continue to break it down today, I hope that you'll be encouraged. So if you're not driving, open up your Bible to Genesis 22. If you are, just listen intently as we get into the Word to discover what this teaches us about our need to take steps of faith and learn of the faithfulness of God. There's an interesting encounter here with Abraham and his son. As Abraham steps out in faith, he, he rises early in the morning. He goes out to do what God has called him to do. They get to the mountain. They leave their servants behind. And as they're starting their way up the mountain, Isaac speaks to the father. Down in verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son so they won't went both of them together there's a connection in parallel here to the very call that god had on abraham at the beginning of this chapter if you remember back in verse 1 god tested abraham and said abraham and he said here i am this call and response reveals to us something right here on the surface of this text that we often overlook, that there is a unique relationship. There is a special relationship between this father and his son that parallels the relationship that Abraham has with his heavenly father. When Isaac says, my father, and Abraham responds, yes, my son, it is revealing to us something that we all know. It's something that says, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you love me. This is a unique bond, a special bond with somebody that you totally trust. And Abraham is doing this in full faith. We see that in his response. He says, God will provide. I can't even imagine what's going on in Abraham's mind as he's walking up to this mountain with his son carrying the wood and no lamb in sight. But this is his answer. Many people have tried to infer what was going on in his mind, and the text simply doesn't tell us. But Hebrews 11 gives us a little bit of an insight because it tells us that Abraham had faith in God so that he knew that if if Isaac were to die on that mountain, God would surely raise him from the dead. This was his son of promise. And he didn't know how it was going to work out, but he knew that God loved him, and he was going to do what he was called to do. He was going to step out in obedience. When he's saying God will provide, he's doing something, and there's a very important lesson for each and every one of us here. He's preaching the gospel. He's declaring the truth of God's promises. Certainly he's answering Isaac because Isaac's the one who asked the question. But you know that he's saying this to his own heart. He's preaching to himself the message he would so desperately needed to cling to in that time of trial, in that time of testing. And so when we go through trials, what do we need to do? When we're struggling in our times and in our doubts and in our concerns because not everything's been made clear to us. We preach the gospel to ourselves. God will make all things right. God is at work and he knows what he's doing. God is faithful in the midst of the storm. God will provide. When they get to the mountain, Abraham was still wondering what would happen. He placed his son on the altar. He lifted his hand, his hand holding the knife above his head. And in this moment, our hearts are knit with him. We're struggling with him. Will he go through with it? Will he do what God has asked him to do? Should he do what God has asked him to do? But we're spared from the horror of the story because in that moment, we see that God speaks. Verse 11, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Once again, that call and response. Third time we've seen it so far. That connects us with the heart of this relationship between Abraham and God. I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you love me. Do not slay, lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham, we could say, proved his faith, but the real proof in this is God, because God proved his faithfulness to Abraham. God provided. It says he lifted up his eyes. And he saw a ram in the thicket caught with, the, caught with his horns, and Abraham offered that ram in the place of his son Isaac. In this story, we have, with, without a shadow of a doubt, an answer to the question of why God was doing what he was doing, why he was asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was to teach Abraham that God is faithful, that God does provide. We think that there was some test here for Abraham, that that Abraham needed to prove himself to God. But what was far more important was for God to prove himself to Abraham so that Abraham would know that what he said to his son was true. God does provide. Abraham's story is messy, and it shows us a great deal about the question we asked at the beginning. What does salvation cost, and how do we get it? Abraham had a lifelong journey to understand the answer to this question. I just love how the story of Abraham really comes full circle. We see these initial calls in Abraham's life and his response and his relationship with God, this call and, Father, here I am. All of these things seen now in Genesis 22 remind us that what God was doing here has been built into him over the course of 25 years. Isn't that amazing? We think that, that God should just give us what we want when we want it right away, but God is so good, he is so loving, he is so kind, he is so wise that he knows that we need time to develop our faith before we're ready to face the trial. God is loving, all of his actions are loving. It's hard for us to see that here in Genesis 22. Why would God ask Abraham to do something that's difficult, something that is heart-wrenching, something that is devastating? Well, that is exactly why. God wants us to go through trials so that we will be stronger in the outcome. What God is producing in Abraham is the same thing he wants to produce in each and every one of you. He wants you to learn to trust him, This isn't about testing Abraham and his faith and making sure that Abraham can do what what God expects him to do. God is not trying to find out any information about Abraham. God already knows everything. What God is doing in this context is allowing himself to be tested. Now, I said this before, but it bears repeating. Do you know the difference between testing God and putting God to the test? Putting God to the test is what the devil did when he tried to get Jesus in the garden, or in the wilderness to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, and, and God would be forced to catch him. That's what you're going to hear from actually a lot of, of teachers today. They're, they're really trying to put God to the test, telling you to do crazy things, and then just expect God to catch you as you fall. That is sinful. We learn that in the story of Jesus in the wilderness, in his temptation. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. However, we can test God, and we do that on a daily basis. This is how you do it. Do you trust that what God wants you to do is good? Do you obey him and trust him that the steps that he has called you to make will be good for you, even though they're painful? even though they're not comfortable, even though they don't guarantee that you'll get rich or prosperous in this day, will you take the steps that God has called you to do? Will you read your Bible? Will you pray? Will you trust in him? Will you connect yourself with a local church? Will you serve in the ministry of the kingdom of God? What are you doing to follow God's call on your life? That is what it means to test God. See, ultimately, here, Abraham was going through the test, but this was a test for him to learn to trust God. And that's what we ought to be doing every single day. God is worthy, He is is strong enough to be leaned on, even with our very difficult questions. And He invites us to trust Him, to lean on Him, and to learn from Him so that we might take up our yoke and follow Christ. I hope that we've been able to encourage you today. If we have, we would love to hear from you, especially here in the middle of our year. The challenges of raising ministry funds is not fun. It is not, I don't know why fundraising has the word fun in it, because it's not fun at all. In fact, it is painful to ask for for money. But it's the only way that this ministry can operate, and this is how it works. If you've been blessed, I hope that you will return that blessing in kind. Uh, Consider supporting the ministry through your prayers, through your words of encouragement, and financially when you write to us at Songtime Radio P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue with my message from Genesis chapter 22 as we break down the instruction that we have to see the full circle of learning to trust in God. When Isaac was born, and it wasn't even here on this mountaintop, it's all the way back in chapter 12, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, and our late founder Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace. We want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Romans 4, 1 through 3. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness.